Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Has talked about writing the great 20th century novel. William Forrester did it. This was the only one he chose to write. Someone legendary, Mr. Forrester was unavailable for comment. Yeah, I bet he was. Is about to be discovered. Have you seen my son's backpack? And something extraordinary <laughs> is about to take place. I was wondering maybe I could bring you some more of my writing. Bolt the door if you're coming in. Hey there, and welcome to Rewatchability. It's a podcast where we rewatch old movies and TV shows to see how they hold up over time, to see them in the modern eye. Yes. To look back into the past and see how the past was rubbish <laughs> and how the future is where it is. Okay. Well, no, I'm in the past. No, we, we're, we're fair on this show. Yes. You no, know, we, we, we look at the good and the bad of I, these movies. Is there something in your past that you want to forget? <laughs> <laughs> you said you wouldn't bring that up, Rob. <laughs> uh, and thank you so much to our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for giving us one, three, five dollars a month. At certain levels, you can get the podcast early and ad-free. Mm-hmm. At other levels, you can get bonus content. At other levels, you get an ad-free classic episode that ties in with uh, this week's episode. So that's pretty great. If you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash rewatchability and support us there. Yeah. And help us make every podcast a slam dunk or a great novel. <laughs> <laughs> Whichever choice you want to make. This is, this is true. This movie is straddling the line between being a geek and being a jock. Yeah, that's right. In the 90s mentality of movies, it's, it's really straddling the line. Uh, we're talking, of course, about Finding Forrester. Finding Forrester! That's, that's, woo, the, woo, woo, that's woo. the theme music right there. <laughs> they just chant the name Finding Forrester <laughs> over and over again over the credits. Beautiful opening to a movie. It couldn't yeah. have been better. Gus Van Sant coming in Bringing full the force there. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, when did you first see Finding Forrester? But I didn't see Finding Forrester. What? No, I, I, 
completely ignored this movie. I don't even know why we're talking about this movie. The only thing that I knew about this movie was in the trailer, Sean Connery, who we all know and love, says, You're the man, dog. Wait, let me do that again. Oh, my God. That was the worst reading ever. (laughs) You're the man, dog. You're the man now, dog. Okay. Okay. You got it. You got it. You're the man now, dog. Oh, that was pretty good. Yeah. It's third time's a charm. <laughs> third <laughs> they, time's a Connery. Well, famously, Sean Connery wouldn't do more than three takes on this movie. Really? So, yeah. He was like, nah, that's all I do. <laughs> that's actually how he really talks, too. The, the, his, his voice that we hear in movies is put on. He talks like me. He goes, yeah, that's not what I'm going to do. I believe it. No, I, yeah, I completely missed this movie. I remember that it came out after Goodwill Hunting and it is also by Gus Van Zandt. So it seemed to be like trying to get like another one in there on the inspirational teacher bonds with a student sort of vibe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Replace Robin Williams with Sean Connery. Yes. Exactly. That's <laughs> a poor choice. <laughs> a poor choice. <laughs> we, the lesson we got from Aladdin was you do not replace Robin Williams with anybody. <laughs> it's very true. You know? It's very true. So you never saw it. You never, you never got it. I train. never saw it. I had no – I just thought it was one of those movies that wasn't anything. Like it just sort of passed under the radar. I know that it was one of Sean Connery's final sort of films because he retired from acting. He hasn't done anything – in years, I think the last thing that he did was some sort of badly animated yeah, CGI like cartoon. Penguin cartoon or something, yeah. Yeah, for like Scotland tourism or something. <laughs> I'm Under a penguin. Scotland. <laughs> Well, I I liked this movie when I when it first came out. Okay, a, a, tell me about your experience, well, Blaine. A little bit. So I saw Goodwill Hunting, and then I saw this movie. And though I liked this movie because it was about writing, and I wanted to be a writer when I was a kid, I still there was too much sports in it for me. You know, right? Because when I was a kid, I hated sports. You hated sports. I was I was like, I'm a geek, and jocks are bad, and we fight. Uh, even though that wasn't my high school experience at all, but that was like my movie high school experience. Right. So you were colored by all the exactly. cinema you'd watch. Yeah. And so I thought this was kind of a lesser Gus Van Sant movie because Goodwill Hunting had come out. And so why are we a- talking about it? Goodwill Hunting's a movie we haven't talked about. Gus Van Sant has a thousand movies we haven't talked about. Well, we did Psycho, the remake of Psycho. That's right. <laughs> we, did, we did that. We started at the top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is this is kind of the next movie on the ladder if you're going down on the list of like worst to best movies <laughs> of Gus Van Sant. But we're talking about this movie because the Raptors are doing well. What? The dinosaurs are back and they're <laughs> killing no, humans? We would have talked about Jurassic Park. This though this is a, a basketball movie, a hidden basketball movie, and I though I was not a basketball fan when I was a kid, I am now a big basketball. I've been watching basketball for the past four or five years now. Whoa. I haven't told you, Rob. I didn't want you to, to have more fodder against me. Right. So, uh, and if I remember, you play a little basketball too. I, you know, 
You play in the streets or on the court? I play on the court. Okay, in, that in way you don't gym. have some creepy old man watching you. <laughs> With binoculars. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I'm just watching the birds. <laughs> yeah, all right. All right, Connery. Uh, Listening muscles. <laughs> yes, take off your shirt. <laughs> Shirts versus skins. Why can't it be all be skins versus skins? Um, yeah, no, I play, I play a weekly game that's full of actors and writers and – <laughs> it, uh, it's not it's not the the you know the best basketball, but there are some really great players. Uh-huh. Uh, I am not among them uh, at all, <laughs> but uh, but it's a lot of fun. I you know, and when I started playing basketball, I started watching basketball and realized right. how hard what they were doing mm-hmm. was, and it kind of informed how I played basketball a little bit too. Not that I can do anything they can do, no. but you know, I can I can pick and roll and do that stuff. Yeah, I've learned, <laughs> okay, and it's it's fun. So it was. Uh, I thought there'd be more basketball in this movie. To be honest, I'm a little disappointed in in the lack of basketball in this movie. So. Wait, Finding Forrester is the movie that you choose to do on Basketball Week? You're like, let's let's do a basketball movie. What basketball movies are there out there? Well, that's a good question because there's like Space Jam, which we've done. Yes, okay. And then name another basketball movie. Like Mike? <laughs> okay. Like, but we're not going to do like Mike. I, I've never even heard of that movie or seen that movie. The Basketball Diaries? <laughs> <laughs> Likewise, not so much about basketball. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, there's like Coach Carter and stuff. Right. But uh, there's not a lot of other basketball movies. And this is one of the movies that I wanted to do for a long while on the podcast because I think it fits our MO so well. Because I think – I want. I wanted to watch it again because maybe this. There's some not good stuff in here, and it was slandered at the time. It was slammed. It was all like almost a flop. People right. called it a flop, but it made its money back and then some. Mm-hmm. So, I wanted to look at it again with fresh eyes and see if it was a a, a good movie because we've had. A lot of white savior movies since this yeah, movie. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right? This is like the green book of basketball. <laughs> and like Blindside. Like yes. so many, right? And so yeah. I wanted to look back at this movie and see if like what, what it was. Just how bad we should feel. <laughs> <laughs> what we've done. What have we done? Uh, so I'm interested to talk about it. I'm interested to hear your take. And yeah. we will do Goodwill Hunting at, at some point. Right. Because we'll be hounded into doing it by a well-meaning psychiatrist. It's weird that they're both like seeking words. Like one is hunting, one is finding, and it's yeah, it's the title <laughs> character in both. You know, it's very weird. But this was also a movie that Gus Van Sant did right after Good yeah. Will Hunting. So he's like, I liked that movie, but I want to do worse. You know, <laughs> I really want to do something a little worse. No, I'm, I'm sure he had the bug and wanted to do something that was, uh, uh, I don't know, like I th- he, as a creator, he is one of those people that revisits things like like yeah. Psycho, right? Mm-hmm. He, he likes to obsess over things and go back and see if he can do things again in just a slightly different way. And I think that was part of why he made this movie. For sure. I also think like you sort of – when you have a successful film, one that is a spectacular success like Good Will Hunting, people offer you things which are similar. Yeah, like Sean Connery did uh, with this movie. Yeah. So – Yeah. You know. Yeah, so – Can't blame him. <laughs> so we can't blame him too or much. Or can you? Well, to get into that, Rob, you want to run down the movie 
for people who, like you, might have skipped it in favor of Good Will Hunting? <laughs> yeah, I will try to. So it's about this kid named Jamal. He's black. Yes. He has... As we're reminded in this movie multiple times. Yeah. He has black friends. Yeah. He is good at basketball. Mm-hmm. And he is also good at writing. <laughs> Which everyone in this movie seems to think is the most insane thing they've ever heard. Yeah. Like, yeah. They think that's – I don't know. Anyway. Well, so it starts with Jamal and his friends. They're just playing – Pick up basketball outside. You know, it's one of those nets with like the steel net, the chain. Yeah, yeah, chain yeah, net. yeah, for sure. The '90s was all about that. <laughs> well, it's because you couldn't, you know, cut it down, and steal it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they, him and his friends, every once in a while, they see this person. Yeah. Watching them. I thought from... you were going to lead with another P-E-R word. <laughs> this pervert up in the up in the windows with his binoculars. It kind of seems like a pervert. They call him the window. They call him the window. <laughs> because they can see right through what he's doing. The nefarious things behind the curtains that he's slightly parted. Yeah. But he's, he's like a, a, a source of fascination for these young men. And so at one point they – dare Jamal to go up there mm-hmm. and uh, check it, him out. It's not even like a dare to like knock on the door and run away. or It's, it's a dare to s- sneak into his house yeah. and steal something. Yeah. Which is, uh, that's a big dare. It's a big dare. Did you ever do any dares when you were a kid? Did people dare you to do stuff and you're like, yeah, okay, I'll stand in front of that train. No. <laughs> no? Okay. Not like that. <laughs> Jesus, Blaine. <laughs> Yeah, okay. My my friends were not my friends, I guess. <laughs> they were just trying to kill me, I think. Did you hear that story about Stand By Me, how Stephen King saw a kid get hit by a train when he was a kid and repressed it? Yeah. Yeah, he like came home and his parents didn't realize what had happened until they were told that one of the kids had died. They That's like, crazy. Stevie, did you see that? And he's like, no, I don't, I don't remember it. Writers are fucked. Yeah, the writer, you as, saw your friend die. As we'll, as we'll see later in this movie, writers are a little bit fucked. Yeah. yeah. But his mom gets called in to go talk to the teacher. Yeah. You know, familiar story. But she tells him that actually Jamal's test scores are really high, even though he doesn't do very well in school. And it's probably because he doesn't want to stand out by seeming too smart. so He doesn't want to alienate himself or his friends. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to have him check out this new private school, which he will be able to... (laughs) Yeah, that certainly won't alienate him (laughs) at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And this will not only give him a place where he can really challenge himself academically, but also it just so happens that uh, they have a basketball team. And since Jamal is fucking... Awesome at basketball. <laughs> he can certainly play some basketball while he's hitting yeah. the books. There's a lot of white men that need to make some money off of Jamal's talent here. <laughs> yeah. 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 So they set him up and he starts to check out this school. I really don't get why he goes to the school to begin with. I, I know that his brother kind of steps in and is like, you got you to gotta do this. Yeah, his brother – Buster Rhymes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love to see Buster. I, I totally forgot that Buster was in this movie. It's so funny. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it was fun to watch him act. He was so natural and so fun. 
and mm-hmm. uh, and and brought me a lot of joy while watching this movie. A lot of Every, joy. Everyone else was so stoic and so down, and Buster was <laughs> like, ah, I'm crazy. I'm going to assault several people in my life. That's how crazy I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so he goes to check it out, and he meets Anna Paquin. Yeah. She's there. Canadian, right? I don't know. All right. And they have like a little bit of a, a, a flirtatious sort of yeah. Thing. Yeah, she's yeah, she's kind of like the the sort of nerdy girl, but she has a chip on her shoulder too because her dad got her into this private school when it was only supposed to be for boys. Yeah, that's right. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> and like this is the weirdest thing that this stuff still exists uh in the world in North America that there are like, you know, private schools for boys, private schools for girls, private schools for white kids and for black kids and it's very fucked up. And weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, on the other hand, in Ontario, they did open a, like, special school for non-white kids. Sure. Because it gave them a better chance to learn. So, I mean, there are reasons that, right. you know, to have different schools sometimes point, for yeah. other people. Yeah. But in this case, it's like the old patriarchal sort of thing where boys are supposed to be raised to be the great leaders of tomorrow and yeah. women are supposed to be raised to make great cakes <laughs> today <laughs> today <laughs> yeah so in a way her dad was progressive just you know progressive for his kid mostly yeah but it works out for everybody yeah he's very he's a little like i don't know i didn't like him with anna paquin at all no. either he felt a little trumpish with his daughter for sure had the arm- that's, mo- that's ivanka because <laughs> <laughs> there's one scene in this movie where get away from her jamal <laughs> <laughs> where jamal where uh <laughs> rob brown the actor who plays jamal uh he he's like teaching anna paquin how to do some basketball moves, uh-huh. you know, and he has her hand, his hand on her hip, mm-hmm. uh, so that if she dips, he'll dip, which is very nice. And then the dad comes in, and in like this weird alpha display, like puts his arm around her, mm-hmm. and like kind of sort of drags her off. It was uh, anyway. It was very weird. Feel that? I feel it. Now see, I know where you're gonna go because I can feel where you're gonna move. All right, now try and move left. Okay, see, I'm still here. You can't get around me because I feel you moving left. I try and go right. See, I'm still here. I feel when you try and go right, so you can't go there neither. Now try and get by me. Oh, hold on. You gotta dribble first. Dribble. Mm-hmm. Dribble. Okay. Like. Like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Claire. Daddy? Some of our guests are leaving. Yeah, well, it is very weird. And it's very clear, like, what Jamal's place is in this sort of situation. Like, he's the basketball player. He's supposed to represent the school and make everybody a lot of money Mm -hmm. and make everybody look good. But 
Yeah. Stay away from my daughter. <laughs> definitely. That's definitely there. Also, he's not really welcome on the basketball team either because there's this one this one kid that really hates him. Yeah. From, from, like from word one, he goes, hey, I'm Jamal. And he's like, fuck you. It's like, whoa. Like, where did that come from? Yeah. But it is also like the only other person of color on the basketball team. Yeah. So maybe he's thinking like he's going to be replaced. Or well, that's what Jamal says when they're endangered. having their little – Jamal has to – they have to cover each other on the basketball. I don't know the terms. <laughs> no, cover is good. Cover is good. They have to – they're trash-talking each other. Yeah. You know. They're chirping. And Jamal chirps. Thank you, Blaine. Yeah, that's fine. What's wrong? Am I taking your place? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, no, nah, you're just mad-dogging me, bro. You're just mad-dogging me. And then yes. they beat each other up. Yeah. That was that was in my head. That didn't, okay. that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, while all of this is happening, I guess before that is when Jamal goes up to Sean Connery's place, the window. Yeah, the window. He goes up there and he steals this wicked-looking knife. Yeah, he puts it in his knapsack, but then he leaves the knapsack behind. Yeah, he gets startled. Yeah. And Sean Connery ends up dropping the knapsack out the window for him. Yeah, and he's uh, he's edited all of Jamal's kind of journals, his story that he was writing. Yeah. He's like, uh, this is a constipated sentence. Constipated. He, he wrote constipated a lot. I think the guy needs some yeah. prune juice. You know? Also, don't edit on the toilet. That's not cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is going down the drain. This is complete <laughs> shit. It's like one page is missing. It's like, oh, God. Yeah. Just to run out of toilet. This is awful. Yeah. But Jamal sort of takes a uh, – he decides that he wants to go up and meet him. This is very unclear too in yeah. the movie. Like why does Jamal go back? This guy really wrote in his – like he's like, yeah. you wrote all over my stuff, man. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> but he still goes back and I'm not quite sure what the motivation is for him to do that. Yeah. Well, I guess it's to be a better writer. Yeah. Because this is what this kid loves. He always he loves reading. Mm-hmm. He loves writing. He's read all the books. He's read all the books written by white people. <laughs> when they do like the scan up at the beginning, yeah. they, he's like sleeping and they just show a big stack of books. It's like Sam Shepard. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> just But he read The Invisible Man. No, no, no by H.G. Wells. By H.G. Wells. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh man. But so they start to become friends, and and he starts to mentor Jamal. Yes, but he finds out Jamal finds out that, well, coincidentally, <laughs> while he's in school, they're assigned an assignment on this book by this guy named yeah. William. Finding For- oh, William Forrester. <laughs> That's right. Sweet, great. Findings the middle name, <laughs> William Finding Forrester. <laughs> right. It's Forrester. Finding Forrester. <laughs> Uh, and yeah. he's like, oh, yeah, I happen to know that guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's like kind of on a pseudo like lunch date with Anna Paquin. He like leaves a lunch date because she's like, look it. I found this first edition kind of copy mm-hmm. in the library of Forrester's Avalon Ascending or something. Something like that. Yeah. A war. A war book. Yeah. And so he he kind of reali- – he looks him up in the in the library. We have a cameo from the director himself in the library. Oh, really? At that moment, yeah, when he's looking him up. And so he kind of confronts he kind of confronts Forrester. He's like, "Hey, I know who you are now." And Forrester's like, "Well, don't tell anyone." Jamal's like, "In exchange, you kind of help me." 
yeah. to, to learn to write. Yeah. And of course, the Sean Connery, William Forrester character is a sort of J.D. Salinger-esque sort of dude. Yeah. We find out that he's only ever written one book. Mm-hmm. He never finished another one. And yeah. he's just been living up there in this apartment for the last who knows how long, mm-hmm. just keeping to himself, watching dudes play basketball. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that we find out that he's actually been watching, uh, instead of dudes playing basketball, he's been trying to, you know, peep on a few tits. Pardon me? It's it's a bird. It's a common bird. Okay. Yeah, that's what he's he's been he's been looking at birds through the binoculars. Yeah, bird watching. And through his uh through his video camera. And apparently there are several endless types of birds in New York that go to the the Bronx. So that's kind of weird. I guess it's like the, they live in Central Park, but yeah. I assume that the smog has killed them all by by 2000. I I I have a balcony. Yeah. I love sitting out there watching the birds. <laughs> okay. Do, is, are, do birds visit your balcony? Birds do visit. We have all sorts of great birds. A lot of grackles. <laughs> what, what, did you say grackle? Yeah. Is that a bird? It's, it's a so, very common bird. It sounds like a Muppet. <laughs> grackle. It is the Muppet of the bird kingdom. <laughs> well, of course we get robins. Right. Cardinals sometimes. That's good. Occasionally a blue jay. If you're just tuning in, this is the bird <laughs> podcast. Uh, we <laughs> The bird cast. <laughs> now I will do some bird calls. Karabatu! Karabatu! <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the contortions that did to your face. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Unimaginable. So Forrester helps... Jamal improve his writing. Yeah. He sits him down at the typewriter. <laughs> this is my favorite scene because in every movie about writing, they have to be like, let's make writing fucking active. Yes. So it's like, you know, Sean Connery is, is like, punch those keys. <laughs> You're the man now, dog. <laughs> yeah. It's like throwing the basketball around, trying to be so active with the apartment that he's a hermit in that he never leaves. It's just – it's a lot. It's a lot to have to do. Yeah. 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 But Jamal does become a slightly better writer and there's uh, – not only is there a big game coming up, but there's a writing competition. Mm-hmm. So the two halves of his whole are are fighting for dominance here. Except there's one problem. One of his teachers is being a real dick. <laughs> and of course, he's played by the F. Murray Abraham. The famously jealous F. Murray Abraham. <laughs> That's right. He's the guy who wouldn't let Oscar Isaacs play that gig. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. He just hates people coming up. Hates people coming he up. He just wants to quash them down. Maybe you could get back together with that other guy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But he thinks that Jamal has plagiarized. All of his good writing because it got markedly better all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he, he just, it, it seems to really throw him because Jamal's from a different place. Right. And he, he's new to the school. And yeah. it's just like, why is there such improvement? How could somebody like you, <laughs> who comes from this place, this other yeah. school, uh, yeah. write well? Because you're. You! From that school! <laughs> yeah. And so it just makes us hate him so, and he's so good at being hate, hateable. Yeah. 
Uh, I like him in this role a lot. One thing I found interesting about this movie is how, like, none of the white characters who are clearly racist are outwardly racist. Like, none of them say racist words. No. Sean Connery is the closest to being outwardly racist, and that's because he's trying to, like, see if Jamal is going to stay or not. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I remember that part. (laughs) That that's questionable. We're like, what the fuck? Like, do you do that on dates, Sean Connery? He probably does. <laughs> it's that classic be racist to people, and if they come back, then it's meant to be. <laughs> What's your name? Jamal Wallace. Sounds like some kind of marmalade. How old are you? I'm 16. 16? Mm-hmm. And you're black? It's remarkable. Remarkable? What? It's remarkable that I'm black? I mean, what does me being black got to do with anything, man? You don't know what to do right now, do you? If you tell me what you really want to tell me, I might not read any more of this. But if you let me run you down with this racist bullshit, what does that make you? Oh, it's cool. I can be uh, racist to you. Now we're friends. <laughs> it's cool. He doesn't mind if I call him terrible things. <laughs> because we've already gotten past that. That's right. Uh, it's such a nice thing to and, do for a friendship. But also Sean Connery's like, basically deal with people being racist with you. <laughs> yeah. He's not like, it's their fault. He's like, it's your fault if you do this. Like, if you let them win. It's like them. It's not a. It's not a winning thing. They're just wrong. What the fuck? God damn it, Connery. Well, he knows what it's like because yeah. he's Scottish. Right. He's had to deal lots of discrimination. Deal. Exactly. People make fun of his voice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't voted like sexiest man of all time or best actor of all time. He's had a. He's had to deal with a lot. You know. <laughs> yeah. He's never been on top. He was marginalized. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah. So Jamal has to deal with F. Murray Abraham doing that or Rob Brown does. And so the dad, Anna Paquin's dad, who is on the board of this school, says they can make all this go away if Jamal just wins a basketball game. Yeah. Yeah. But also he'll in the next year take a reduced academic load. So he won't have to worry about all this writing. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry your pretty head about that writing. Just stare at the hoops and shoot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's exactly why he goes on into the court and misses his two free throws at the end. Yeah. Well, he plays which, a good game first. Which is, which is exactly what happened to Siakam in game five of the Milwaukee. Uh, and we won't get into that. he wants to be a writer? <laughs> I think Siakam – no, no, no. But yeah, Jamal misses the two free throws and ends the game and his family's kind of disapp- – everyone's kind of disappointed in him. Yeah. Uh, he has been ousted from the writing competition mm-hmm. and his brother who still believes in him, Busta, Busta he takes a letter that Jamal wrote and gives it to Forrester. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's my favorite part because Busta gets his best line. Yeah. Which is, they always let you go so far before they take it all away. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. It's like, yeah. It's like an on the water front line right there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It feels like a classic. Feels good. Yeah. So he kind of inspires Forrester to leave his apartment 
for maybe the second time in decades. Well, he takes them to – we forgot to talk about – we skipped right over – Yeah, the first time he leaves the apartment. We skipped right over the part where he takes them to a Knicks game, but he has like this big panic attack in the crowd. Yeah. And Jamal loses Forrester. <laughs> <laughs> Forrester wanders off, and then Jamal's like, where'd you go? Where'd you go? And then Busta comes up, and he's like, yo, what are you doing? And then Jamal's like, I'm finding Forrester. (laughs) That part doesn't happen. No, it doesn't happen. I just had to get it there. Yeah, no, this is beautiful. But then after that, because, yeah, he can't deal with the crowds, he takes him to the baseball place. Yeah, it's the stadium. Yeah. Yeah. And because that's where Busta Rhymes works. He's the uh, parking guard, yeah. parking attendant supervisor, mm-hmm. and brings Forrester out into center field. And that's where Forrester tells him about how his brother went away to the war and how he came back, but he spoke less and he drank more Mm -hmm. and he died in a car accident after William Forrester let him go. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the reason why he never wrote a book. Also, his parents died right after that. So it's just like, you know. And I love the line where he says like, my brother is dead and his body is still warm in the next room from having died. And the nurse says to me, your book meant so much to me. Yeah. And I, I yeah, I, that just really hit me because it's like for it, that made sense of the whole character and you want that line to make sense of the whole character. And I think it really succeeded because mm. it was like all his writing only made people turn away from the, from the people they should be focusing on. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a kind of a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. But then he then the end of this book spoiler alert he fucking writes another book so he gets over that pretty yeah <laughs> but that's that. like the whole that's his whole arc yeah you know from not being able to write a book to being able to write a book he finds Forrester oh my god he was there the whole time just right inhabiting his own body Forrester was there all along so Jamal has been ousted from this writing competition. It looks like he has nothing because he doesn't have basketball. He's not going to be in the school anymore. Yeah, they're going to take everything away. And, and the reason why is because he, he did like an assignment yeah. for Forrester where Forrester gave him like a prompt mm-hmm. and then he continued from there. And then he turned that in as the assignment yeah. which and didn't credit Forrester. So he's like, unless you can produce this elusive William Forrester, <laughs> <laughs> then you, Jamal, are expelled. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> or did you make a promise to Mr. Forrester that you wouldn't divulge that you knew him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. F. Murray Abraham, so maniacal. <laughs> He's pretty radical. So Sean Connery shows up and uh, he reads off this this work because uh, he wants to win the writing competition against all these high schoolers. Yeah, right. I beat you, little fox. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm fucking dunking on you right now with my words. I'm the man dog. <laughs> I'm a dog man. Look at my whiskers. Yeah. But F. Murray Abraham's like, okay, that was nice and everything, and we appreciate you coming, but that doesn't change anything until Sean Connery's like, oh, yeah? Actually, Jamal wrote that. Mic drop. <laughs> I, mic drop. 
Then he picks up the mic. He's like, I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry, so sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. Butterfingers. <laughs> I'm very old. <laughs> and so everyone like claps for Jamal. It's a big thing. And Jamal's allowed to stay in the school because Forrester bikes off. He, he just bikes off into the sunset and says he's going to go home to Scotland. Yeah. And uh, Jamal in the senior year gets a visit from Matt Damon. Yes. Because uh, we needed to catch up with Goodwill Hunting, <laughs> see how he was doing a few years later. Yeah, that's right. He became a lawyer, <laughs> which is cool. He manages estates now. <laughs> <laughs> and he's been following Jamal. Uh, everyone in his office has been, is what he says. Yeah. Apparently, Forrester provided them all with binoculars, which is very <laughs> nice. <laughs> And Jamal's been doing really well and learns that Forrester's dead. Yeah, he passed away. He passed away and he uh, had completed a novel that he wanted Jamal to do the uh, forward to. And he's given Jamal the apartment and, and a, like, I guess his fortune. Yeah. Which is nice. Nice way to end it. Yeah. It's- and then that uh, Hawaiian guy comes on the ukulele. Yeah, brother is. Yeah. And sings and makes everyone weep. Yeah. Openly weep. So- like you did, Rob. I right? wept. Okay, I wept. Good. Okay, I weeped. I'm weeping now. I'm yes. So that is the movie. Very well run down, Rob. And after this break, we're going to come back. I have some some questions for you, Rob. Okay. They're soup questions, which is, <laughs> which is a line from this movie. And then we're going to get into some, some behind the scenes. We're going to talk about some things that this movie spawned in the oh. world. It's kind of fun. So uh, we'll be right back after this break. And he's he's a musician. I don't know if you knew this, Rob. Yes, he's he a, is a rapper. Yes, he's a rap artist, and uh, he has released many albums in his life. Mm-hmm. I think everyone has been punctuated with an assault charge. He is he hates when people spit on his car or uh, or yell things at him in the street. Yeah, don't do that to Buster Rhymes. Yeah, because he'll go to jail and you'll go to the hospital. They also he's a crazy he man. also hates when you turn your back on his brother. That's true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> then he'll inspire you to stand up, <laughs> overcome your agoraphobia, and leave your apartment. 
to defend Jamal. So he's released many albums. There is another actor in this movie that uh, released an album with his band in 2007. Who is that actor? Oh, who is that actor? Well, I'm going to say it's uh, F. Murray Abraham and the Klezmer Quartet. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Sean Connery and the Pips. <laughs> um, it's 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 neither, unfortunately. Uh, what? It's uh, it's a band called Pagoda. They're a garage kind of grunge band. Okay, and they're actually pretty good. I listened to to the album oh. on the way here. The lead singer, Michael Pitt. Okay, Michael Pitt. He's a good singer too. Is he? Yeah, he's kind of you know a good grunge singer. Right. He's not gonna croon or anything. Didn't he play fucking? Yes, he played fucking. What? Well, no. What, what? What are you thinking of? Uh, didn't he play like the Kurt Cobain ass character in yeah. Gus Van Sant's Last yeah. Days or something? Last Days, yeah. Uh, Gus Van Sant has made movies, more movies with him. He's kind of like a regular for Gus yeah. Van Sant, which is nice. Well, like like uh, Matt Damon. Yeah, I like that character here because he's like he doesn't become friends with the black guy, <laughs> but he's still <laughs> Wait, rooting like- for him. <laughs> That's so awful. No, I mean like it's just like you know he doesn't no, like it's 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 more true to what would have happened at that time probably. Yeah, yeah, I understand <laughs> what you're saying. Yeah, he is kind of like the sniveling like piggy character from Lord of the Flies. Yeah, he's, he's kind of like oh don't don't rock the boat, <laughs> you know, or else they'll push a boulder onto your head. But that's I mean I do like that scene where F. Murray Abraham is picking on Michael Pitt and yeah. Jamal. It comes to his uh, defense. You, of all people in this room, should know who wrote that passage. And do you know why, Mr. Coleridge? I repeat, do you know why? Just say your name, man. Excuse me, did you have something to contribute, Mr. Wallace? I just said that you should say his name. And why would it be helpful for Mr. Coleridge here to say his name? Because that's who wrote it. Very good, Mr. Wallace. Perhaps your skills do extend a bit farther than basketball. And then it sort of devolves into that quote off, that sort of quotes porn yeah. sort of bit. Where oh, it's man. like, you know. It's totally, it's totally ripped from uh, Goodwill Hunting in the bar. Where he's like, uh, I got all that from like a library card. You know, <laughs> it's totally that scene. <laughs> right. Taking down F. Mary Abraham. So, yeah, I like that scene, too. I, I love that stuff. There are four, count them, four Oscar winners in this film. Whoa. Can you name them, Rob? Bonus points if you name the movie that they won for. That's fucking insane. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I mean, you, uh, this is the, the contract, Rob. <laughs> you, you sign a contract for rewatchability. You have to answer my questions now. That's too hard. What do you think of me as a person? <laughs> I think very little of you. <laughs> Damn it. I, I, mean, I haven't thought of you at all. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. I'm going to say Sean Connery. You are right. What did he win Best Supporting Actor for in 1998? Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. <laughs> I wish. Uh, it was the Untouchables. Oh, okay. Yeah. F. Murray Abraham. Yes. And what did he win Best Actor for in 85? It also won the the Best Picture that year. I don't know. Amadeus. 
Right. Because he plays a jealous musician in that, too. He plays like a jealous right. com- competitor, too. Salieri? Uh, yeah, Salieri. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Two left. Busta? Busta, <laughs> close. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe his song okay, might wait, have been wait, nominated. Wait, 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 wait. I can, I can do this. You can this. do this. You can do this. Okay. I can't do this. No, okay. So so one other actor was in another Gus Van Sant movie that won for that movie. Michael Pitt? Matt Damon. Oh, Matt Damon. Yeah, so he I won. I forgot about Matt Damon. He won for Good Will Hunting. Everyone sleeps on Matt Damon, okay? <laughs> Don't do it. And then Anna Paquin. Oh, shit. I forgot. Yeah, she won for the piano in 94. Like, mm. she was young. She was young. She was a little kid. She won an Oscar. She's weird in this movie. <laughs> well, she's a she's a teenager in this movie, and so is Rob Brown. Like, I guess what I'm confused by is why it's so chaste. You know, why? Like, yeah, they do like the yeah, I can feel you if you move this way thing. But then yeah. other than that, there's no like you know, if I put my macking hands or on your like. Ass, like <laughs> is that what you're saying? They need to like get more into that scene. They hold hands at the end, but yeah, I was hoping for more. <laughs> well, we didn't see her hold his hand. It was be- it was below below the frame. It was below the frame. <laughs> so giving she could- him a hand job while <laughs> Forrester speaks. <laughs> He's I like, found Forrester. <laughs> oh my god! So this movie, this is the third and last question, Rob. You knew well so far, though. This movie was not based on a book. This is this is true. Okay. Although a lot of people think that there's a book out there that it was based on called Finding Forrester. That was just a novelization. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't do tricky. that, guys. Tricky. Don't do that. When I was doing like research, I found like a lot of kids – because this gets shown in high schools and stuff. A lot of kids that tried to read the book to give them more of idea of what like the themes were in this. Uh-huh. And they picked up the novelization. We're like, what the fuck did I just read? <laughs> um, this movie was not based on a book. But there was a movie based on a book in the 80s that starred both Sean Connery and F. Murray Abraham. That w- They were at odds in that movie as well. <gasps> and do you know the name of that movie, which is also a hint the name of the rose. Yes, Rob. Nice job. Yeah. Yeah. In the name of the rose, Umberto Echo. Yeah. Yeah. About that. That weird kind of like, I guess not, not weird cult. I read the book. I read the book too. It had all that like spirituality, Kundalini cult stuff in it. Because they were supposed to be like a Christian sect, but and then yeah, it had that like, right. cultish aspect oh, to it too, right? We should watch that movie. Oh man, I'm I'm sure it's so dry. Kids that book love was so dry. Umberto Echo. <laughs> And all the semi-odysseists. Yeah, Is he a right? semi-odysseist? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, I know things. Yeah, you know. You know from things. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Good answer. That's yeah. great. And there's an Iron Maiden never... song based off The Name of the Rose. Oh, that's why called you called The Sign it. of the Cross. It's great. <laughs> that's awesome. All I remember from that book is that they uh, they tried to like – the kundalini spirit was like the snake that's like lived in the spine. Mm-hmm. And they tried to like suck the snake out of people's spines by like giving them analingus. Like that's what I remember from that okay, movie. Okay, I forget about that. <laughs> from that book. I'm I like, think I blocked that out. <laughs> I read it at such a young age and I was like, what am I reading? Mom, what's analingus? <laughs> <laughs> and that's when she disappeared altogether. <laughs> she just imploded, could not answer the question. So, wow. Gus Van Sant made this movie after Goodwill Hunting. Weird, I mean, a little bit of a weird choice. The casting was such that 
Sean Connery was already involved. So the writer had a friend who was in the studio. Studio knew Sean Connery. And so they gave him the script. Sean Connery liked the script. Mm-hmm. Wanted to rewrite it himself. <laughs> so they let him. <laughs> and then, uh, You're the man. <laughs> Cat? <laughs> Can he say this to me? Because I want to be the dog. And then, uh, and then Gus Van Sant... Uh, flew back from like Casablanca or something, mm-hmm. and where he was reshooting Casablanca, <laughs> frame for frame, starring and... Vince Vaughn. <laughs> oh God! Um, You're gonna get on that plane, <laughs> <laughs> and he agreed to direct it because Sean Connery was in it, and he wanted to direct Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's that's pretty sweet, and I think Sean Connery was like, "This might be my last kind of go right at it." It's like a later. Later life prestige picture. Yeah, for sure. And he wanted the Oscar. He really wanted the Oscar. He saw how much... Matt Damon loved his Oscar. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Matt, could I hold that for a second? (laughs) It's so well polished. Do you polish it every day? (laughs) So he wanted one for himself, I think, later in life. He saw how well that did. And he was like, this is a movie that will do as well. And if we get the director of that movie, then we have kind of the perfect stew, mm-hmm. and it will do the same thing. But it was so similar. It was so goddamn similar that yeah. everyone was like, no, nah, we can't. We just can't. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think he was a, a bit underwhelmed by uh, the movie. Before he came on board, mm-hmm. Bill Murray was was involved. Oh. And he was going to play the Sean Connery part, which would have been a great – a great movie, I think. That could have been something. I think it could have been something. If it was kind of like the Broken Flowers, Bill Murray. Yeah. That would have been Sad great. Sad Man Bill Murray. Yeah, Sad Man Bill Murray would have I, been great. I don't know if Bill Murray is as effective now that he has some joy vivre. <laughs> <laughs> well. Anymore. Sean Connery said that he brought all the schmaltz to the movie. He wanted the movie to make people cry. Uh So he really pushed the movie in that direction and to make it a feel-good movie when I think before the ending was not as similar as this ending and it didn't make people feel great reading it, but it was a solid screenplay. What happened at the in the original, do you know? I couldn't find out what happened. I looked all over. I can only imagine. Yeah. Um, Maybe like a gang fight. <laughs> oh, Kamal gets shot and a Paquin cries, goes to his funeral. Yeah. He could have been anything. He could have played basketball or wrote. <laughs> or played basketball, her father chimes in. <laughs> So the other casting of this movie, which is pretty cool, is Rob Brown, uh-huh. um, who plays Jamal. He This was his first movie, non-actor. He's great. So solid. Such a great acting job in this movie and really holds his own against Sean Connery. And I think supplants Sean Connery in some scenes. That scene where Sean Connery is like being lost as Forrester in that uh, you know stadium, he's acting horribly in that scene. You like, didn't feel that? No, the camera doesn't even show his panicked face because I think his oh, panicked face oh. was was so bad. He was just acting so horribly. Yeah, like they had a scene where Jamal found him, and instead of him freaking out and Jamal finding him, he takes 
we, we see, barely see his face because it's all dark on his face. And then Jamal turns him around and leads him out. So we never see Sean Connery's face in that scene. We're only on Jamal, which makes me think that like Sean Connery sucked in that scene and Jamal was very good. <laughs> and that's why Gus Van Sant had to choose those shots because uh, even when we did see his face, it wasn't doing much. Anyway, right. Rob well, Brown. You said that Sean Connery refused to do many takes for this movie. He did. Yeah. He And Gus Van Sant was the same way. He only wanted to do two or three takes oh, really? per per scene. Uh, he wanted to move fast. Because he felt that people gave their most naturalistic performances like right off when they were still, you mm-hmm. know, loose and hadn't gotten their like framework of hitting their mark and all that stuff. But Rob Brown, he was a basketball player, kid from the Bronx. Uh, he really was this character to a certain degree. And he uh, got in some trouble, got in some, some hot water in some debt with his cell phone company oh, no. when cell phones first came out. Oh. The bill was as big as the phone back then. He was he was in debt three hundred dollars, and so he needed some extra cash. So he showed up to be an extra in this movie to make the cash. And Gus Van Sant liked him so much that he became the the main the main character. Yeah, which is pretty cool. That's it's great. Pretty, it's a pretty cool story behind this movie. I like that. And Did he get the three hundred dollars? Uh, no, no, he was not paid for this movie. No, Sean Connery's paid a lot. Yeah, but uh, I'm buying another castle in Scotland. <laughs> Can I have Rob Brown's paycheck? <laughs> he doesn't need. I'm it. the man, dog. <laughs> <laughs> He's good at basketball. He doesn't need this acting stuff. The other thing is that this movie was not only filmed in New York because it's a very New York heavy movie. Mm-hmm. Bronx features predominantly this movie. It was filmed in Hamilton, Toronto as well. Oh. Yeah, lots of Toronto for New York stuff in here. Yeah. So I thought I saw some of that. Wow. But uh, – and I was right, Rob. I, I proved myself right. It felt good. It felt really good. What felt good? Being right. Oh. <laughs> just being right about so, things. So this is the movie that you picked for Toronto's triumphant basketball well, look, season. We're recording this a week before this comes out. So, uh, you know, Toronto might not even be playing anymore. Right. We might have been swept. Okay. We, we, we might not do well. I, I hope we do pretty well. Mm-hmm. I really love the Raptors. I think they have a good shot. Well, I just think that you've really cursed them by <laughs> picking this movie in which a kid has to make a pivotal decision between basketball and writing and misses two shots on purpose. <laughs> yeah. No, I think they're beyond any curse that I can I can give them. I think they're playing pretty well. <laughs> and I'm just happy that they made it here. They made it to the finals, Rob. This is history being made. It's not like it's has not, nobody ever made it to the finals before. Not not a Canadian team. No. Yeah, this isn't like a Gus Van Sant movie that just makes the same movie again. Uh-huh. We haven't been here before. This okay. is like a whole new whole new thing. Okay. And so it's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. And you're never going to watch a game ever, are you? I used to like basketball. What? I watched the uh, championship when Michael Jordan came back and led Chicago Bulls to the oh, trophy. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it was really good. In your Raptors pants? I in my Raptors pants. All right. Yes, that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what did people like have to say about this movie? Was there critical consensus about um, how awesome it was? There's a lot of people looking back at this movie actually because it's kind of one of those one of those movies people don't talk about anymore, and a lot of them are very favorable of it, saying mm-hmm. that it got panned and if. Uh, Goodwill Hunting had never come out. This would have been a great movie, and I think that's true to a certain extent. 
it does bode I mean, it bodes poorly for fucking society, but it it bodes well for the movie that other like white savior movies have come out and done well. <laughs> <laughs> like The Blind Side was an Oscar contender, right? So yeah, um, there there are these movies that do well, and The Green Book was an Oscar contender too. So we do, I think, as audiences like that narrative, and hopefully that narrative kind of gets shaken up a little bit mm-hmm. because. I don't think it's forwarding our society in any way. But yeah, so people did like this movie later. At the time, it was a flop. Mm-hmm. It made $80 million on a $40 million budget, so it did double its budget. But I don't think that was as big as they wanted it to, to be. Yeah. It did spawn a website. Whoa. Called You're the Man Now Dog, dot com. <laughs> And it was kind of the one of the first meme generators okay. of a website. And I don't, I'm not a big meme guy. No, might be meme of me to say, but I don't really like them. I do kind of like this website and the person behind it because they would put up pictures of like you know snap crackle and pop or whatever, and they would defame them, right? Mm-hmm. And so the. Pez, they put up like a a, a Hitler Pez dispenser, kind of like Adolf ma- Hitler. Yeah, like making fun of of Pez and trying to be irreverent. And Pez was like, "You got to take that. We're gonna do a lawsuit for you. We're gonna cook one up." And the guy was like, oh, "Okay, well, let's try to. I'll have a contest. He hosted a contest for the worst Pez dispenser you could come up with, and the prize was a possible lawsuit. That was the only <laughs> prize. And I, I kind of like that. Um, it was it was pretty irreverent, and reminds me of those board game guys. Yeah, that do all that stuff like digging a hole as long as they can. Right. That was the old internet. Like, be as mean as you possibly can, internet." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and they weren't always so mean. They they kind of went after big companies, yeah, like McDonald's with uh, with like Pez, yeah. big Pe- Pez. <laughs> yeah, man, Pez just doesn't deliver anymore. You know. What do you think about the white savior aspects of this movie? Like, is it? Oh, I think it's fucking dated. Yeah, and it. I mean, that first scene with Sean Connery and Rob Brown is hard to watch. Oh it's, yeah, it's not great. No. And it doesn't make this movie have any lasting power, I don't think. No. I question even if it's like a white savior film, like if it qualifies, because uh, Sean Connery doesn't help Jamal do shit. No. Yeah, maybe his writing gets a little bit better. His writing was already great. He got into that private school. Yeah. And, and at the end, he comes around and he's like, yeah, I gave him that assignment to do the thing. And he has my permission to use the beginning of my story. He wouldn't be in that situation in the first place if Sean Connery hadn't, you know. You know what? You're, you're completely right. Because, yeah. Because, uh, because Sean Connery changes a lot because of Jamal. That's right. Jamal gets him out of the house for the first time. Mm-hmm. Jamal kind of like helps him with his agoraphobia so he can mm-hmm. go back home. And he fucking gets the guy to write a second novel. Yeah. At the end of his life. Mm-hmm. And so, it's a black savior film. <laughs> That's great. Yes. This is like, this is, yeah, this could be, this is like Meteor Man. We found Forrester. <laughs> Black Savior film. This is great. Yeah, I like it. And maybe that's maybe it does transcend the that kind of poor genre that it it is it is lumped in with. Because well, I don't know. I mean, I think that 
when you make a movie like that, you're definitely it's a you're you have to it's a very narrow notch that you can get it into to to get it right. Yeah, a lot of them are yeah, just you know. They're bad and they don't help anything and they show a sort of racist view which isn't – It's you know, we know what it is. Yeah. But I think uh, that this movie – and I sort of trust Gus Van Zandt as a director because Gus Van Zandt is a good director. He's directed a lot of good movies and, you know, they're movies that have like a, a, a keen observational viewpoint that mm-hmm. look at people – that champion people. Well, and I think it helps that he put someone into the main role that kind of lived that life a little bit, right? Like mm-hmm. Rob Brown knew that life a little bit, knew how to play basketball, like knew about the racial tensions in New York at the time. So, yeah, I, I, I think that Gus Van Sant did as much as he could do yeah. with this movie to not make it like that. But I think inherently the idea is still uh, somewhat white savior E. For sure. Yeah. Uh, so, Rob. Would you watch this beautiful movie again? Well, I think that there were aspects that I really liked about this movie. I thought it was really interesting how they show how uh, schools with basketball programs treat some of the racialized players as – I mean, they just don't treat them very well. No. And it's it's hard. Like that stuff has continued. Like I remember watching games with uh, with my wife and – and her being like, "Oh, who's that guy?" And be like, "Oh, that's the coach." And he's like, "Who's that? Who's that guy?" And that's the coach. And who's that guy? That's the commissioner. And she's like, "They're all white." Like all, it's 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 like a weird thing. That's not a weird thing. It's a it's a thing that's been there forever, but that is still kind of continue to happen in, in the NBA. Even so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that it gets points for doing that. It's just such a weird movie because, yeah, like Sean Connery is not the actor that I would think to cast in this role because he's not really a dramatic actor. Like he he mostly does the James Bondy sort of things. Those are the things that I think of him as best at. But I think he does do an okay job here at certain points. And I do I I do like the character and – you know, I also love anything that sort of takes a bit of that J.D. Salinger mythos yeah. and plays with it a lot. And this isn't the only movie to do it, of course, because the other movie, which also has a sports connection where the character is clearly based off J.D. Salinger, is Field of Dreams. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 James Earl Jones plays yeah. the J.D. Salinger character in that That's one. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there's a lot to like about this movie, but – it's also not very dramatic. It doesn't – It's there's no nothing big that happens in the movie. Yeah. Nobody really learns or changes that much. Even the situations that Jamal gets into like, oh, he won't be able to go to the school where people don't really respect him anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah. He'll yeah. have to go back and be with his friends where he was, you know, kind of happy if underperforming. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Goodwill Hunting addressed that question, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is it do we have to perform in life, or can we just live our life? Can we just be another person? That can that be all right? Yes. Yeah. If only we'd watch Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a good movie. It's just it's a very small movie, and I think it's there are things to enjoy about it, but it has to be enjoyed in a small way. Like, it's not a yeah, you know. I hear you. There's nothing exciting about it. What about you, Blaine? I. 
I think I mean this movie was way better than I remember it being. I, I thought it was filmed better. It was Gus Van Sant's like directorial vision was really great, and I this soundtrack was great. Oh yeah, there's so much like Miles Davis yeah. and other stuff. Well, and even just the the, com- the composition of using the uh, ukulele in the background of a lot of songs to then set up that final. Um, uh, you know, somewhere over the rainbow song, right? It was uh, just a, a beautiful mix. So I loved the the soundtrack a lot. One thing that I noticed that if a white guy is directing a movie where about a black guy, there will always be a lot of Miles Davis on the soundtrack. <laughs> like that's the connector. That's it's the like, connector. I don't want to go too far. I'm putting some rap in there. It's like, well, <laughs> I'm white, but uh, I like jazz. So uh, you know, I think you can see I'm pretty cool. I right. like. I like Miles Davis. Oh, speaking of white savior movies, Damien Chazelle saving jazz in in, in uh, yeah. Anyway, so, but I also feel bad. Like I don't. I think that sometimes having that attitude about movies is reductive, and I don't think that Finding Forrester is just a white savior movie. I think no. that there's a lot in this movie which well, I is, think it challenges that narrative too. For sure, it does try to challenge that narrative. And, like, if you call it a white savior movie, then you also sort of dismiss the entire performance by Rob Brown. Yeah. Brown. And, yeah. It, so, you know, and in, in that similar way, I don't know if La La Land. Yeah. Yes, there's some of that there, but. I, you know. It's not, yeah, it's not all that, that movie is for sure. I, I, I hear you. People I, just want really easy conclusions for films. So if you can say that. It's racist. Right. Then that means you don't really have to say anything more. Sometimes you have to say a little bit more than that. Right. But sometimes you have to call it. Anyway, yeah. You definitely I, have to call it out. Yeah. So, yeah. So I I, I quite enjoyed rewatching this movie. I thought there was some good parts to it. It didn't suck me in. Like it didn't like bring me into the story and it, it didn't feel like it was – very dramatic like you said there wasn't a lot of tension and when there was it didn't feel like it mattered too much so the stakes weren't entirely there and i wasn't so clear on a lot of the stakes and or motivations and i think if they had been a little bit clearer it might have helped but it was also kind of schmaltzy you know in a way that goodwill hunting was able to pull off i don't think it was like finding forester was able to pull it off Mm -hmm. so i think it's a solid movie i don't think it's a great movie i might watch it once more in my life but i'll probably watch goodwill hunting before that (laughs) for this very podcast yeah there you go so thank you so much for joining us this week you can check us out on twitter facebook at patreon and get t-shirts at t public and if you can't do any of those things, the what would really help is if you went to uh, Apple Podcasts and you gave us a rating and you, you gave us a review because that helps people find the podcasts. And, yeah, and and tell people about podcasts. That'd be great. And and that's that's that's. Uh, wait, uh, Rob, uh, I forgot to tell you something. What? You're the man now, dog. <laughs> You're the man now, dog. <laughs> oh, this is a feel good podcast.